All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Rob Strano. Let me remind you about Rob's background. He is from St. Louis, Missouri. He grew up playing at the same country club as PGA Tour players Bob Goby, Jay and Jerry Haas, and Frank Connor. Played his college golf at Centenary College, which has another famous golf alumni, Hal Sutton, and one of my favorite Celtics of all time, Robert Parrish. Played on the PGA Tour, the Nationwide Tour, the Hooters NGA Tour for 15 years, and he won five times, the last of which came at the 1999 Energizer Invitational. He is now one of the top instructors in the game, and he was named honorable mention for the top 50 youth golf instructors by USA Kids. He is the only top instructor teaching the game to deaf children, and you've probably seen Rob on Golf Academy on the Golf Channel, and I am honored he is back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Rob, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, thanks for having me back. I, I enjoy getting together with you and talking about the game of golf, and, and you know, you you read that bio stuff, and I'm like, man, some of that stuff was a long time ago. Wow. <laughs> Indeed. I feel your pain, my friend. I'm, I'm telling you. So, but, you know, you mentioned the PGA show, and I just got back from that. And, and the PGA show, for those that have never been, is so vast. You know, you, you asked me how I was doing. You know, I'm in probably the, the best shape I've been in for years. Because when you go to the PGA show, someone measured it at 28 miles when you walk the PGA show. And I'm telling you right now, Chris. I have the tightest set of buns in the game of golf, maybe at golf shelves, you know, all together. I mean, I am in incredible shape after walking the PGA show for three whole days. No doubt you are. So, so I'm taking us through. What, what were some of the things you saw down there? What are some of the cool things that caught your eye? I'll tell you the coolest thing I saw down there, um, and, there's, and there's stuff you can't even imagine. I'm going to tell you the two coolest things I saw. One is fun, and one is something that really helped what I do as a coach is there's a new product called CAPTO, C-A-P-T-O, and it is a, a wireless sensor. It's actually a wireless device that goes on the, the shaft of your putter, and it tells you everything you want to know about your putting stroke. It gives you graphs. It is an incredible tool for coaches everywhere. So I, I got it on um, Friday at the show, and Sunday afternoon we had an all-day of rain, and I had one of my tour players come over, She's an LPGA European tour player, and we got in the putting lab here in my house, and it was the first time I got to use it live fire, and the data was just astronomical. You know the movie Twister, where all of a sudden yes. the thing goes up into the tornado and they get all that data? That's how I felt when she hit a putt, and all of a sudden I got all this data and the graphs. I was like, I was like, wow, this is what I need to really get into the fine-tuning of a stroke for a top-level player. I can look at a putting stroke and say, yeah, that's on plane. That's perfect. The face is good and the ball's going in the hole. But when you got a player who's, who's, who's paying for their meat and potatoes and their gallon of milk by how quickly they get in the hole, boy, you don't want to leave anything to chance. So Capto was really cool. Now, fun. And I'm all about fun. You know that. There is a new product out. If you go to bp.golf, bp.golf, you're going to find a product, I kid you not, it's all-time great, and I'm ordering it, called Beer golf, pong golf. So it's basically cornhole <laughs> with plastic, red plastic cups in it, and you chip a ball on it, and if you get it in, you point to someone and say, drink up, buttercup. So it's beer pong golf. <laughs> it is so much fun. I did. I actually did a, a video for them on Facebook. If you go to Rob Strano on Facebook and you scroll down, you'll see all the videos I did live for Golf Channel, but then you'll see the one that me and my staff coach, Susie Dan Stanley, did with big beer pong golf. It is so much fun. I just see it back here by my pool, 
and got some friends over, and we're beer pong chipping it and just having a good old time. There you go. Now that's awesome. Both of those things sound fantastic. So, again, the first one you talked about is called Capto. You can see that, the wireless putter, uh, sensor putty uh, for your putter, and uh, BP.golf or beer pong. Two very cool things, Rob. And, and Rob, I saw a picture of you and with uh, your fellow Sutonary alumni, Hal Sutton, at the show. You get a chance to spend some time talking to Hal? I did. It's always great to run into Hal. And, and he actually spoke the night before an event called the Open Forum which is all the top coaches get together and you put some people on stage and you ask them questions and it, it can be kind of a free for all time, but, but Hal did a great job. He was up there on the mental game panel and who better to have than one of the most mentally tough players ever to, to tee it up and peg it up. And, and to say he's a fellow alumni of mine, it, it really means a lot to me, but it's great to catch up to him and hear about what he's doing at, at the Hal Sutton golf ranch in Houston, where he's taking his experience as a tour player. He's taking that mental toughness. And he's instilling it in juniors and players and helping them chase their dreams. And it, it's just good to shake his hand and, and, and smile and, and just talk about golf a little bit with Hal. And, Rob, to that point, and, and, and you do a lot of work with kids. Uh, you know, we talk a lot on this show about the mental side and, and the mental side for junior players. Is there something that you and Hal talk together or some commonalities for the things that you guys both try to instill in the junior players who are dealing with, you know, pressure for the first time, crowds for the first time, tournament play for the first time? What are some of the things that you guys teach to your junior players to help them deal with that? Well, that's an awesome question, Chris. And what I'll tell, my, my, tell your listeners to do, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the scene, it's like Rocky Five. But if you go to YouTube and type in Rocky's speech to his son, go watch it. I have my players struggling with mental game. I, I did it on the tee last year at the academy to several of my players before they went to state after they maybe had a mediocre sectional round. I played that for them. I said, what does what Rocky says to his son here mean to you? Give me your takeaway from it. And one of the great lines in the, in the scene, if you're familiar with it, is he says, Life is tough. It will beat you down. And you've got to be able to take a beating and get up and keep going forward. And, and Hal and I talk specifically about that part of golf. Golf will beat you down. It will kick you, and it will keep kicking you. And you've got to be tough enough when you have a bad round, a bad hole, to dig deep, find another gear, and keep going forward. Get up the next day and go, I'm going to be better today than I was the day before. You can't let it knock you down and hold you down. You've got to have that strong internal belief that, you know what, I just had a bad day. I just had a bad hole. Tomorrow, I got it. And you get up with a fresh outlook, you dig deep, and you keep going. And Hal and I talked about that. We talked about how you got to dig in there and dig your hand, heels in and golf and go, not today. You're not holding me down today. I'm going to keep going. And when it does, it, what's interesting, Chris, is I just got back from a trip to Israel and spent 10 days on a tour of the country seeing some incredible things. And one of the most incredible things was seeing the site of Masada. And, and if you don't know anything about Masada, go research it. It's really a cool story. But it's, it's a 1,000-foot plateau that, that they built a fortress on top of 2,000 years ago. Now, how do you do that 2,000 years ago? We can't do it now. But when, when Israel revolted against the Romans, the Romans put down the rebellion and Masada was kind of the last stronghold. And the Romans built a thousand foot ramp up to Masada, if you can fathom that. The ramp is still there. And 
they they overtook the plateau. But what the the Israelites on the top of the plateau did was they weren't going to be taking captives and slaves, and so they made a pact that they were going to they were going to basically kill everybody. So they killed their family members, and then the guys remaining made a pact that they were going to kill themselves. It's just a rough rough angle on the story. But one of the things that the Israeli army says is kind of their motto right now is two words, and it centers around Masada. It's never again, and they say that now as they as they as they pass through their training, they say, I'll look at you and go, never again. They never will surrender again. And that's golf. You do things, things happen, and you say, never again. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to be tougher, stronger, and I'm going to keep moving forward, and nothing's going to knock back my belief. Nothing's going to shake my courage. Nothing's going to shake the pillars of my foundation, whether they're life pillars or golf pillars, and I'm going to keep pressing on and keep pressing forward. That's awesome. That's a great message, and it's interesting that you bring that piece up about Rocky, and I've got that uh, that whole speech framed, and it's in my son's room, so I try to remind him of that very same thing, so it's fantastic that you bring that up. And Rob, I've, I've got to go find I, that and, picture. That I'm, i got goosebumps here, and it's in your son's room. i got to go I got yeah. to go down to Amazon and go, where's this Rocky picture? i got to get this, babe, this thing and put it in my Yeah, my it's out there to be had, my friend. You can find it. It is fantastic. And Rob, you, you and another recent guest that I've been you know blessed to have on the show, Bill Abrams, you guys did a seminar together on something called BLAST. Talk about what that is. BLAST is another putting sensor. It's, it, it doesn't give you as much data as the new one, Capdale. It'll give you about nine points of data, but it's great. It's really not intrusive. It goes on the, the butt end of your putter, and the little adapter fits all different grip sizes, and it gives you some quick hit stuff. So... I'll throw it on the butt end of a putter in a session where we're just looking at quickly. I want to know what face rotation is. I want to know, are we slamming it shut too much coming through? Do you have too much rotation coming back? Or are we blending it real well? Or I'll put it on the putter um, with a player in a first putting session to get a baseline of what they're doing. And then I'll fix them and I'll show them where they started and show them where we finished. Just prove to them, this is the change I wanted. This is the change I've got. And it's, it's an inexpensive little, little training aid. It's great. It's something that most everybody can afford. It's it, it's it's a little over 100 bucks, and it's something you, you just charge lasts a long time, and it's always there when you want to put it on there, and it works off your phone, and it's, it's just a super simple thing, and a lot of tour players use it just to keep a spot check on what's going on. And, Rob, we, we're talking about putting. I, I saw you out there, you know, at least some pictures and some videos of you with Brad Faxon. Curious, did you get to spend some time with Brad, and did you guys get the opportunity to compare putting notes? We've actually talked before. A couple years ago at the Players, right after he did the segment on Golf Channel with Gary Williams, I was at the Players doing I, my desk kid's golf camp there. Um, and Mondays at the Players are great because it's closed to the spectators. It's just those of us that have credentials that are on site. And Brad was there on the uh, the academy there at at the TPC Stadium course, he was there with Bob Rotella on the green, and I walked up, and he was kind enough to talk to me, and as was Dr. Rotella, and we were, just had a little putting roundtable, and I've always joked, if, if someone would have had a little pocket recorder and recorded the hour that we stood there and talked, you could have duped that and sold it for $100 a copy and retired to an island somewhere. We talked about some <laughs> fantastic stuff from the reason why we both grip is strong, because you look at Brad, and you look at I, and you look at Jay Haas, who I copied, who looks like facts back then. Um, we all look the same over the putter. We all grip it the same. 
we got to talk about why do you grip it strong. We got to talk about the mechanics of the stroke. And, you know, it's funny. One of the things I said to Sachs was you were just kind of chit-chatting about all kinds of stuff. And I said, Brad, let me tell you something about your putter. Because you do what I believe to be correct, your putter is always on trending hot. And he kind of shifted his weight on his feet. He was kind of looking at the ground. And he kind of looked up at me at the corner, you know, kind of out of the corner of his eye. And he goes, you know what, Rob, you're right. My putter is always on trending hot. I said, that's why the way I coach it and the way you and I do it is is more correct than any way to do it out there. And, you know, we talked a lot about it, and I got to watch him and talk to him again, you know, at the, the blast little, little seminar they did. It was funny. As he did putting and then walked over, hit a few chip shots, and he laid his putter on the ground. I looked at that, and I went, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't lay Excalibur on the ground. It's like it's like dirty dancing. You don't put baby in a corner. You don't lay Excalibur on the ground. And I picked it up and I I guarded it for him. I I I stood there. He did a little chipping stuff with some of the players talking about how blast can be used for chipping and full swing. And he and he and he and he, and he went to to go to his bag and he walked over where he laid the putter and I was standing to the side. He looked down. He looked at me and I went. I said what I said. Excalibur is not meant to be laid on the ground, Brad. And he smiled and started laughing. He said. Oh, you're right about that. He took it back. He said, thanks for guarding for me. I said, you bet. And so we, <laughs> we kind of laughed about that moment. And, and Rob, I, you know, I've been looking out at some of the videos that you've done and, you know, golf Academy videos where what, one of the ones that I found very interesting is you do something very unique with a roll of paper towels to help us keep our heads still during the putting stroke. Do you mind sharing that one? Absolutely. And, and I can't take any credit for that. One of my tour players came up with that on a rainy day where he was trapped at home, and he had a little funky head movement where his, his head would go down and back a little bit. It was kind of a V-shaped movement, a little, you know, lowercase V where his head would bob down and back. And we'd been working on it, and we'd, we had made a lot of progress with it. But he thought, how do I keep my head still? Because I can't put my head against the wall because I don't have enough space to get my putter in there. And so he shot me a video of him with a paper towel roll up against the wall. So... All you basically do is grab a paper towel roll, put one end of it, you know, where the, where the tube is coming out, not sideways, but the end of it against your forehead and lean against the wall, and you can take practice strokes, and you are now the width of the paper towel roll away from the wall. So you can hit putts with balls. You can take practice strokes, but it gives you the space away from the wall to have the freedom to do that, and it totally stymies any head movement. It, it's, it's a fabulous drill, and the great thing about it is when you train with it, you get your head so still, your putting improves. And when you then go play and make all those putts, you will reap a bounty of skins from your, your playing opponents. Pun intended. And, Rob, you also did a video with Michael Breed that people can see on your website, stranogolf.com, about the mental approach and negative thoughts that we're putting in our heads. How can we stop focusing on the negative and be more positive? Well, you know what's interesting is, the brain is wired to absorb the negative more than the positive. And it's simple self-preservation. You touch that hot stove once, you're not going to touch it again. You know, you, you walk along the edge of a cliff and you stumble for a second, you're going to walk a little farther from the edge of the cliff. So we absorb these negative things to keep ourselves safe from the moment we're able to, to, to basically walk and remember things. The challenge is when you hit a bad golf shot or have a traumatic golf event, not letting the, the brain categorize it and file it. You want to learn from it, but you don't want to absorb it. 
and tour players are great at it. You know, growing up with Jay Haas at St. Clair, Jay and I had several conversations, had lunch together, and I asked him one time about a round of golf when I was a lot younger that I followed him where he played, and he said he remembered one or two select good shots from that round, but nothing else. He had, he had taken everything else and filed it away where it didn't matter, but he grasped a couple key things. One thing we do at the academy is we tell all our players this. When you get down with a run of golf, we want you to go ESPN. Come up with your top ten moments from that round or top five moments from that round. Don't immediately look at the scorecard and go, oh, that could have been a great round if it wasn't for the two eights and the five on the par three that I made, the double on the par three. Look, you look at, in your mind and go, boy, I just ripped it off the first tee today. And then on number four, the par five, I hit a three wood right down by the green. I've never done that before. And, and I had that bunker shot, and I flipped it up there and made the putt. And I made that 30-footer. And just go through, create some stuff that gets excitement about the round. Remember the good stuff. We never get to the good stuff because we're so busy focusing on the bad. And I don't care if you go out and shoot 50. You can find three or four nuggets in that round where, you know, you hit it, you had a 50-foot putt and you knocked it down there to three feet and made it. You two-putted from a spot you would have normally maybe four-putted. Grab the good first. Memorize that. File it away. Make it, remember it. Make it a smile on your face. And then go, okay, what do I need to work on to improve? And that way, the good overweighs the bad. I talk, I talk about mentally overcoming things this way. I had one of my clients go watch the senior tournament up at um, up in Birmingham. It used to be the Bruno's. I'm not sure what it's called now. But he came back from watching the, the seniors, and he said, Rob, you got to explain something to me. And I said, what? He said, I was up at the senior event. I watched one of the players walk up to the chipping area with a bag of balls, and he dumped them out, and he started hitting this really vanilla, bland, simple chip shot. He hit 50 of them. And they all ended up right around the hole. And I said, he said, I couldn't figure out why he would just practice this simple shot over and over again. I said, well, that's easy. He goes, really, why? I said, he's burying his dead. And he went, what do you mean? Burying his dead? I said, yeah. Somewhere in the last tournament, he had that shot, and he picked the wrong club, or he played it the wrong way, or he flubbed it, or he chilly chunked it, or made a mess out of it. And he's taking that one mistake and burying it under 50 good ones. So what does he recall now? Does he recall the one bad one? No, because he just overcame it with a bunch of really good ones. So he's going to get that shot again. And he's not going to remember one. He's going to remember, I practiced this the other day and I aced the exam. I'm good to go. Rob, just a couple of more before we let you go. And you recently tweeted out, about the importance of pre-shot routine and making sure everything in your pre-shot routine has a purpose. Talk about what you mean by that. Now, what's interesting is I get a lot of feedback on these tweets. They're called strand notes, and they're little index cards I write notes on, you know, graphics on, and, and tweet them out there. So go check out strand notes at Rob Strano, at Rob Strano on Twitter. So I get a lot of feedback. And that one, I talked about pre-shot routine. What's interesting in pre-shot routine, for a tour player, random movements, totally scripted. So when I walk into a, a shot, I have this funny little move that I make where I adjust my pants on my, my belt, my pants, where I kind of, you know, Arnold Palmer hits you up your britches. That's not a random move. I'm, I'm getting my, my belt in the right spot. Then I walk in and kind of wiggle my shoulders around 
I'm getting the shirt comfortable on my shoulders. And then I have another move where I extend my arms and I drop my arms down on my, my chest. I'm just setting where I want my arm set up. Then I bend into posture and wiggle myself into position, and then I pull the trigger and go. So every movement has a reason and a purpose in my routine. When you have a bunch of random movements, what you're doing is you're creating things that throw you off script. You may have a routine that's 15 seconds long, the next one's 25, the next one's 18, the next one's 40, you're frozen over the ball. I like routines that keep moving, and once you're in there and the club's behind the ball, it's 10 seconds and the ball's in the air. When players get frozen over the ball, I talk about it as if it's the back of a panel of post office boxes. Now, we've all seen the back of a post office box. It looks like a, a honeycomb or a waffle. It's a bunch of empty squares. Well, maybe my routine has 10 squares to it, but they're all full of things that I'm doing to prepare myself to hit the shot. Now, if you're out there and you're walking up to the ball and you're frozen over the ball, doing is all of a sudden what normally is maybe 15 boxes for you, when you freeze, your brain starts building boxes. And it just starts building them randomly. Now, Chris, here's the question. When your brain's building boxes, what's in those boxes? Got to be thoughts or memories. There's nothing in them. Your brain's building empty boxes. All of a sudden, like you just said, anything can go in them. Bad thoughts, bad memories, random thoughts. Don't hit it right in the water. Oh, my gosh, I hit it in Mr. Jones's backyard the other day and, and, and wounded his dog. Don't do that. So you don't want to stand still and start building these empty boxes. So routine is important, and it's something you've got to practice, and it's got to be practiced with a purpose. It's like, what am I doing here? Why am I waggling? Why do I take two waggles? Why do I shuffle on my feet? Why do I do this? Script your routine. Stick to it. You'll find it a pressure. You'll hit a bunch better shots. So, Rob, I'm going to take you away from golf for a second. And uh, you may or may not know that uh, I also do a, f a football show on Thursday nights, Thursday Night Tailgate, where we talk to NFL players, legends, coaches. And uh, I saw that you also recently tweeted out a picture of Cardinals Hall of Famer Roger Worley that said he was your favorite player and the reason why 22 is your favorite number. Why Roger Worley? Uh, I, just, I just loved him growing up. He was a hard worker. He was one of those players that – was never out of position. He was an all-pro. He was a student at the game, a great athlete, and an all-around great guy. I got to meet him when I was a kid twice. Um, he played in uh, a pro-am at my country club and played with my dad at a farm one time and got to meet him. And he was just the greatest guy. You know, some guys are, are bigger than life and you meet them and they kind of let you down. He didn't let me down. He was a great guy and just I just loved the way he played the game. He was a student of the game and I'll never forget, he picked off Roger Staubach three times in a, in a victory against the Cowboys one year. And I'm not sure who was more excited about it, him or me. <laughs> so, Rob, who wins the Super Bowl this weekend? Um, I, you know what? It's hard to go against the guys with the Patriot on the helmet. Um, experience, whether it's in golf or in football, the Ben there done that. Um, my eyes aren't too big for the moment. Um, the moment's not too big for me. Um, it's hard to bet against that team. As much as I'd love to see the Eagles win, I'm a little different in the way I look at sports. I've got my favorites. But one thing I've learned is you can't have a team you hate passionately because the moment you do that is the moment a buddy of yours goes to play for them 
or you meet someone that plays for them and they become a friend of yours and you go, oh, I can't root against them now. I gotta, I gotta root for him. I gotta, I gotta like him. You know, one of my adopted kids actually played for Belichick. It's a, it's a young man we helped raise. That was my son's best friend on the football team. My son was a quarterback. This was our star running back. He was like another child us, lived with us for a while. Um, went on to, to play college at Oklahoma and actually signed with the Patriots. And he will tell you he loved playing for Coach Belichick. And I wasn't a big Patriots fan. I wasn't a big Belichick fan. You know what? I am now because he gave me firsthand testimony about how good a guy he was to play for. So as much as I love the story of other teams and cities experiencing a championship, being a St. Louis guy, I'm not a Cubs hater. When they had a chance last year, I was like, I hope the folks of Chicago, the Cubs fans get a chance to celebrate a World Series, and they did. Unfortunately, they beat another city that needs to experience that in the Cleveland Indians. But I'd love for the Eagles fans to experience the Super Bowl I'm going to be rooting for the Eagles for that reason alone. I want to, I want the city of brotherly love to actually have some love and celebrate a championship. So I'm going to go. I'm going to even give you a number. I'm going to go Eagles 27, Patriots 20. Oh, okay. So you're flip-flopping on me. Now you say the Eagles are going to win 27-20. All right. I'm with you. I'm pulling for the Eagles myself. I'm so, Rob, before route, we let I, you go, remind our listeners how they can uh, follow you both online and over social media as well. You can find out. I always say I'm the easiest person to find on the planet. Stranogolf.com is the website. There's all kinds of stuff. There. There's golf channel videos there. You can find a lot, a lot about me, some great pictures from my appearances at Morning Drive. Um, I'll actually be back on Morning Drive the week after Valentine's Day, so looking forward to getting back there and doing some fun stuff. At Golf Channel, I'm known as the pop culture coach because I teach with movie lines, song lyrics, catchphrases. We've done Caddyshack, Top Gun, um, all kinds of song lyrics. I've actually sang and danced on Golf Channel. I'm not opposed to doing anything to help people learn the game and have fun doing it. See me on Twitter, at Rob Strano. Facebook, Rob Strano. Instagram, Rob Strano. It's not tough to find me out there. Um, always enjoy engaging with the, the fans of golf and the, the, the fans that follow me. And um, Hit me up, ask me questions, you know, watch what I do. I enjoy talking to everybody about the game of golf. That's fantastic stuff. Rob, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. As as I said at the top, and you and I were talking beforehand, it's just never enough time with you. I hope you'll come back again real soon, share more of your stories and insights with us. Anytime you want me, Chris. And you enjoy your time with Jim Estes coming up. And I do some work with Salute the Military also. I've had several players I've coached. And to tell you what, you know, when I, when I think about Salute the Military and our military folks, and I do stuff with the Wounded Warrior Project, you know, I'm choking up talking about it. What Jim does is huge. He's a difference maker in the world. In the game, he's a difference maker, but in the world of changing lives and improving lives, that man's a difference maker. And I love Jim Estes for what he does with our military. Uh, I appreciate you saying that. Jim is fantastic, as is the Salute Military Golf Association. Rob, take care, my friend. We'll catch up again real soon. Thanks for having me, Chris. I take care, Rob. That's Rob Strano. And again, he spells his last name S-T-R-A-N-O. So at Rob Strano on uh, on Twitter and a lot of great stuff on his Twitter page. And then StranoGolf.com, even more fantastic stuff on his website as well.